A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Sherry, your host for today, and I'm excited to have our next guest in studio. We're recording live in studio today. Christina Ringgold, who is the president of Legendary Longtails, an all-women's Pheasants Forever chapter. Christina, welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I, or me. <laughs> yes. I, um, I'm so excited to have you um, in studio today. First in studio so much better. It's personal. We can have a conversation, but, um, you have quite, uh, an incredible story on, um, not only the legendary long tails and continuing that organization, but also your volunteer services with pheasants forever. But before we get into all of that, I am curious, um, where did your passion for pheasant hunting begin? Hmm. I would say it had to be when I was little. My grandpa used to hunt, and it was always the boys' club. No girls kind of thing. Um, and they would go hunting. they go out to Pierre, South Dakota. they come back. He would run banquets. I'd see all this cool stuff, but I never got to go. So my thing was, he ended up passing away from cancer, so I never got to hunt with him. So I've always had this thing where I was like, I'm going to show grandpa what I can do. Awesome. And so I've just kept building it and building it and building it, and now I'm running a all ladies chapter. So who took you out for the first time? Do you remember that? Who taught you how to pheasant hunt? Cause I think that's always like somewhat important and also one of the most challenging things for those that want to try upland bird hunting is now there are more places where you can go, including legendary long tails to learn. But back then it always required either a relative or um, usually someone that's close within the family to really show you how to do, how to hunt. Yep. So I would say um, that would be my father and then my uncle Kenny. But again, their guns were way bigger. So I wasn't fitted correctly. Um, And then as I got older, I started learning about different groups, different women, and then going to like gun shops and stuff and realize that there's a whole new different gun out there that can fit a lady versus a man's gun. And that was a game changer instantly for walking, shooting, you name it. Isn't that true? And I think even today there is a mis- not a misunderstanding, maybe a lack of knowledge out there that how important gun fit is for women. And a lot of times when um, my interactions with women that want to learn how to even shoot, they assume that they either should just borrow their husband's gun or their husbands a lot of times are just like, here, just use this, mm-hmm. where that's probably the wrong choice. Because that, and I always say it's like learning how to golf using men's golf clubs. The odds of you being really good at the sport, accurate, are low and being frustrated are really high. (laughs) I agree a hundred percent with that. If any, so we have ladies that will show up, we'll go and do like skeet or, you know, shoot, um, at like Metro gun club or so, and they'll show up and they'll bring this huge 12 gauge and then we'll measure it. And they can't even, you know, their hand doesn't even hit the trigger. 
So I'm like, how are you shouldering that? Well, I kind of just hold it. And I was like, so you're holding it from your hip. That's yes. not the way so we want to be doing it. Yeah. You're a trick shooter. <laughs> and I was like, try this gun, you know? So we'll, we'll, you know, a whole bunch of us ladies have numerous guns. I'm not going to say one gun's better than the other, but I do love certain guns, but, <laughs> um, but we'll have them try it. And it's a night and day difference. Just that little bit of maybe it needs to be a shorter barrel for them. Maybe the end's too heavy. Maybe they're not tucking it correct because their arm's not reaching all the way to the trigger. I mean, just those little tweaks or they're not like leaning forward more. Maybe they're leaning back. There's just all these little things, but 90% of it is, uh, no offense to the men, they don't know what they're giving a girl when they go shooting. Yes. <laughs> so. what, what do you think are some of the most important components when you're looking at fit with shotguns? What's, what's your advice for women? For women, I would say making sure, you know, it fits into your elbow all the way up to your trigger. So if you can fit that perfectly, then you're going to be fine when you're shouldering it in. The other thing is, is there's 28 inch barrels. There's 26. What are you going to be hunting more in? Are you going to be out in a field more? Are you going to be in trees more? Is a 12 gauge weight okay versus a 20 gauge? Is a 20 gauge is going to be lighter? I shoot a sweet 16, which is my favorite. So it's kind of right in between. Um, but it's really, if you get the opportunity, either go try the gun somewhere and see what you like. Just don't go buy something because someone told you to or that it's a great gun. See if it fits you or borrow one from another lady. Try to do something, but just go out and try them first before you do anything. It's so true. I, you know, I even have a hard time with the, you know, do, is, do I use the 12 or the 20? You know, sometimes the 20, I feel like I'm just swinging it around too much because it's pretty light, right? Mm -hmm. And then the 12, you know, a long afternoon that gets really heavy. So I've not tried a sweet 16 before. What am I missing? <laughs> so that will be my, you know, my break action. Um, and so that one's nice. So I can open it and I can put it on the shoulder. I can tuck it into my arm and it's kind of right in between it. It's only like about a five pound gun that I have. Interesting. Um, the 20 gauge, I can usually yeah, swing that around all the time, but I use that mostly for grouse. So I'm in the brush. I'm kind of more moving faster. 12 gauge I'll use, especially on like, duck hunting, mm -hmm. um, pheasant hunting I'll use, but it'll be on a windy day or like, you know, where I need possibly need that little extra longer shot at some point, depending on like what kind of prairie or where we're hunting. Sure. I always use 12 gauge cause I need the extra shot because I'm just not that accurate. It's really where it is, where it's at. So, you know, I always need the extra shot when the <laughs> bird is way out there cause I've missed the first one. Um, just lead them, just lead them every I know, time. I know. And you know what? I, and I never get frustrated. Like when I'm out there, I swear, like my dad and my sister are like, are you kidding me? It was right in front of you. And, um, to me, that's half the fun. Like I, I really, you can't be too hard on yourself. Like if I am not, I feel like the same, I always use the golf analogy, but you know, in order to be like a really, really good golfer, you need to be out there practicing all the time. Mm -hmm. And I love to get out there and practice as much as I can, but I have a very busy schedule. So it's not like I'm, you know, every single weekend shooting clays and, um, as much as I love to do that, I wish I had more time. So I have to give myself some grace when I'm out there. And if I miss bird, I do, you know, it's more about the whole environment. You know, you're hanging out, you're having a lot of good laughs with some friends, family, loved ones, you're seeing your dogs work. But, um, that is typically the reason I'm carrying that 12 gauge is because I need that extra shot just in case. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, and also the other thing is just making sure you pattern your gun. So if you pattern it in once in a while, or you put a correct choke in there, so you know where you're hunting you know what your spread is. Let's talk about that for those that are, you know, don't necessarily know what is patterning. So patterning is each gun shoots differently. So depending on what kind of shell you're using or, you know, 
what gauge you're using. There's also the speed on, like when you're buying a thing of shells, you're going to look at your barrel of your gun. You're going to see what fits in your gun. You're going to see what works best. You're also going to see like, okay, is it like a 1550 or is it a 1450? Which one's going to be faster? Which one's going to be, you know, lighter? You're looking at a BB versus a seven shot. BBs are going to be less. They're going to be bigger. Seven shot are going to be tinier and a lot more, you know, pellets in there. Um, and then what we do is we put up a big white piece of paper. I draw a circle on it and we take shots at 20 yards and you try to put that right in the center and you're going to see every time, are you out of it? Are you under it? So you kind of get to know how your gun's shooting, especially like if you have an over and under, sometimes your one shot's going to be your higher shot or your lower shot, depending on how you're using your gun. You want to know if I'm using this one, I know it's going to go longer and it's going to be higher. My second shot's going to be lower and it's going to be closer. So, I mean, it's just... Just figuring out your gun. Yes. And those things are, you know, those little minutia details that really do matter when it comes time to being accurate. And a lot of times, you know, you don't necessarily take the time to do those things when it's really important to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, those that are starting out, I don't think that's really, you know, you go to, you just hop into a hunting group or you go to a game park. Like they're not... There's not like, here's your patterning station. This is where you start. They kind of just send you out there, right? So I think it's really important for um, if you are, you know, getting into pheasant hunting or really any upland bird hunting that you are taking the time to pattern your gun or really get to know your gun. And then it takes time to even really, when you're in the field with all the action happening, understanding if you are using an over over under, um, which way your gun is going to pattern when you pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Like that also takes, there's a learning curve there. Oh yeah. So, um, again, that's why I always say, give yourself some grace and really take the time to, you know, do the extra steps. A hundred percent. And I mean, there's, there's so many different groups out there too. I mean, our group, when we do our women's hunt, we try to make sure everyone has a gun that fits them. We try to do whatever, but now you just gave me a great idea. Like we, if we have time, bring your gun on, let's try patterning it for you. For sure. You know, or, you know, we do have stations too. If they want to get there earlier, we'll shoot clays with them. So sometimes we have people that have never shot before. We'll go out and we'll put out 25 clays. They're missing, 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 missing. And all of a sudden I'll look at their stance, look at where they're looking. And pretty soon we just tweak it a little bit. They hit the rest of the 15. Now they're like, okay, now I'm going into a field with pheasants. And I said, you don't need to pull the trigger or squeeze the trigger at any time. Like... If you don't feel comfortable, don't do just it. shoulder it. Yep. Shoulder it every time. I said, you have to get that, you know, coordination back and forth with walking, dogs, gun. You know, once you build that rapport back, you know, I'm always like, shoulder, shoulder, shoulder. Just like with the youth when we're in there and then you get used to it. So it's just one of those things that automatically happens when you're out in the field. For sure. And that is such a great piece of advice too, because you don't want to feel pressure to pull the trigger at any point in time. And right. sometimes I you think you might put the pressure on yourself because it's almost like it's your bird. Sometimes it's like volleyball, right? The bird's flush right in front of you. People kind of automatically assume like it's yours. But at the same time with all the elements going on, specifically dogs and where, you know, you want to make sure you're shooting at 11 o'clock or higher for those. Um, you don't ever want to shoot low, those types of things. So it's, I always, for me, I still do the same thing. I would caution against even pulling the trigger. If not, if I'm not a hundred percent sure, I'm like, eh, it's not worth it. Yep. And so like when we do like our women's hunts that are like the beginners to experts, I would say, we'll put, you know, a beginner, an expert, a beginner, an expert, you know, and then you have your 10 and two, or you have your 90 degree shots. And those are going to be girls that are more advanced. So we're giving everyone that shot. 
And if they don't want to take it, then we have, you know, someone to clean it up or try. Yes. Um, but like, we don't pressure anyone into it. So it's like, we have girls that come out, just want to walk the field and watch the dogs awesome. come on with us, you know, like, sure. I'll teach you how to run my dog. It'd be way easier trying to run a dog and shoot. So exactly. <laughs> and, um, speaking of, you know, shotgun fit, are there certain brands that you, and everybody has, there's, you know, it's not one that's better than the other. So we can put that disclaimer out there, but I think it's good to know what brands do offer women's shotguns that you find that are good fits. So, I mean, I'm not sponsored by them, but yes, I will tell it out sure. there. Um, I love my Frankies. They have a woman's line out there, which is great. And I think there's another one. Is it Siren? I shoot Siren. Do you? I love it. I think they have a woman's line. I shot, I think, one of their guns one time. Um, well, when we get together, I'll let you shoot my gun because it's, I just would love you to try yeah, it. Yeah. No, for sure. I, I don't know a lot of people that have them, so I would love to try another gun. Um, I also shoot a Savage 5.5e. That's my over and under. Um, I love it. It's easy. It gets the job done. Yeah. And it fits me perfect. Um, it is a man's gun. It's not categorized to a woman, but, uh, the Frankies that I have are all women's guns. And so there's a whole variety of them out there. They have over-unders, they have semi-autos. It's really looking at what your price range is and what you're looking to do. And then from there you can figure out what you'd like. For sure. And that was hard for me too, because I, I really enjoy sporting clades a lot. So when I was trying to decide, um, what gun to go with, it was, that was a hard decision for me because, you know, for sporting clays, you want one that's a little bit heavier. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, but at the same time, I'm like, well, what about if I want to go pheasant hunting? I'm carrying this lug of a gun around, but you know, I manage, I lift enough weights to be able to handle it, but there you go. <laughs> I do find get myself getting a little tired after a while. I'm like, my arm's killing me. Um, uh, but yeah, Franke and Siren are, are two really, really solid, um, companies that make really good products for women, which is so nice to see. I, for a while was shooting a youth uh, version, which was not working for me at all. And I didn't really realize it until I picked up the siren and have it fit like a glove immediately. And I wasn't trying to like shrug my shoulders to kind of fit into it with what I was doing with the youth gun. And I even had, you know, before that I had, um, a men's shotgun and I had brought it to a gunsmith, but it still wasn't really fitting correctly. They just couldn't get it right. Mm -hmm. And I was really frustrated with that. So I feel like I've been down, um, the road with, you know, trying to find the gun with the right fit. And it is such a game changer. And, you know, you have to become really instinctual with the fit and how you place it in your shoulder and where you place your cheek on the gun and all those things. And having the right fit is just like, Oh yeah. It's everything. Well, and especially when you buy a gun, like you mentioned, you know, there are gunsmiths out there. I tell people use them. Yes. They are amazing. If you have a question on your gun, if you need it cleaned, you need something changed, you can change the butt of your gun. So if you need extra padding a little bit longer, I mean, most of all of the gun vendors out there or manufacturers, I should say, have another catalog that have little bits and pieces that you could buy new things to tweak your gun with. So don't think that you buy this gun, you have to keep it as is. Okay, maybe this one needs a little bit longer here. Maybe I don't like, you know, the sights on this one. Change it to you. Put an extra 50 to 100 bucks in it. Customize it. You're going to love it. You're going to... I mean, and then clean it, of course. So yes. it's nice, but <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's the part where you're like, eh, I'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> it's probably not the best thing to do. Oh. I find myself doing that. I was like, do I really need to clean that? Well, yeah. We just went last year, South Dakota, late season. And I haven't shot my one gun for a while. And I opened it up and I was like, Oh, 
Uh oh. I didn't clean what happened? it. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, it's dirty. And I was like, or it was bad ammo. I'll just say it was bad yeah, ammo. Exactly. But it was definitely dirty. Never for blame me. it on the cleaning skills yeah. or anything. Just blame it on the ammo. Hey, I'm really picky when it comes to my drinking water. And I have the reverse osmosis drinking water system from Connecticut. And I love it. It takes out contaminants in the water, it removes chlorine, and most important, it tastes great, which is the one thing I'm probably most picky on is how does my water taste? So having Kinetico also means that I use less plastic water bottles, which we all know is a definite bonus for our environment. For more information, visit Kinetico.com to find a dealer near you. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pond Two Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic roller dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. The Minnesota Historical Society. A message for you. Come visit Historic Fort Snelling, Minnesota's first national historic landmark, a place where waters, people, and ideas have come together for thousands of years. Hear many stories told by many voices and learn more about how lives and history intersect in ways that are stirring, powerful, complex, and still relevant today. Whether revisiting your favorite parts of history or learning something new, it's waiting for you at Historic Fort Snelling. Learn more at mnhs.org slash Fort Snelling. Uh, so let's chit chat a little bit about Legendary Long Tales, which is an all women's chapter for Pheasants Forever. And I believe you can let us know if it's one of the first all women's chapters. Like what, what is it? Um, why did you decide to get involved and what do you guys do? So uh, we are the all women's chapter of the state of Minnesota. So you think about Pheasants Forever, there's all these counties and cities, they all have their own little chapter. We are the state of Minnesota. So, and we are getting bigger. So my vision, or our vision, I should say, is I would love to have like a north and south long tails or cool. northeast, southwest, and then we all meet in the middle. Like we can still be the long tails here, then we can just branch off and then we can have our own little chapters and make one, you know, build a sisterhood is kind of what we're doing. South Dakota's now got one, North Dakota's got a woman's chapter. I think Iowa might be making one. So it's kind of cool to see them start building and now I see... Pheasants Forever is building, you know, women on a wing and different things like that. But um, our chapter is basically right here in Minnesota. Uh, we got about 100 members, which is awesome, which is youth and women. Um, we are trying to expand and make everything bigger. So our our goal is for this next year, we're going to try to do a spring banquet again. We're going to raise money for Habitat. We're going to do a youth event. We're going to do a women's event. And we're going to help out with other chapters that need help. Or if there's a farmer that needs help, we're going to go out and clean up, you know, ditches and different things. We do have um, adopt a highway. We adopted one. Um, so we go out once a year to clean it. Over COVID, we've been a little lacking. Sure. So we'll have to get back on that. <laughs> um, so it probably needs a really good cleaning soon. But um, so, yeah, so we try to try to get back what we can. That's so cool. And um, you are the president of Legendary Long Tails. 
And um, I was told you're a little shy about this, but we're we're going to chat about it, is that you were nominated as Volunteer of the Year for Pheasants Forever. Yep, there which, goes a red face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, first of all, congratulations. Thank That's you. an incredible honor. And thank you for all that you do on behalf of Pheasants Forever. That is incredible. Um, and this is, you know, Legendary Long Tails is not your full-time job. This is what you do on the side as a passion hobby. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what does that entail to win the volunteer of the year award with pheasants forever? Because there's a lot of pheasants forever members. I mean, this is like a big honor and I know you, you probably don't want to talk about it, but I think this is the coolest thing that you won this. Um, it still so gives I, me goosebumps. It's so cool. <laughs> I mean, you think about how many members pheasants forever has, and here you are starting this women's chapter and total rock star, and you won the award. Yeah. Um, it's still a shock and awe to me. Um, you know, we just kept trying to build what we could um, at the time. We were doing, we did a banquet through COVID. We did a youth event where we signed up 200 youth, you know, at game fair. And then we pushed another game fair. And then we were volunteering times and helping with other chapters and doing shooting events and just trying to do what we could as a chapter. And I mean, I wouldn't have gotten this award without having the ladies that are behind me right now for our chapter. So thanks to all the chapter members. Takes a village. Yep. Um, but, uh, it was a still a shock and awe when it was awarded, and I that our chapter was up for chapter of the year, and it changed for me to my name, and I sat there and kind of tears at the banquet, and I was like, <laughs> "What?" And uh, I'm very thankful for it and honored, and I want to keep the tradition going and see what else we can do with it. So, I don't know how I won it, but they must have seen something. I just was just being me. So of course. Well, the amount of hours that it takes to run a solid organization and then not only as far as, you know, the the details of running an organization the organization, but also the volunteer hours and the and the events and planning those events and all the and then the habitat cleanup and helping farmers and all the things that um you do are play such a, a big impact on people and their lives and their memories, but also to our environment. So it's um, incredible and it's an awesome honor. And what do you think, like, what is your passion? Where does this passion for not only Pheasants Forever, but the organization and hunting and where does it come from? Where do you, what's your why behind doing all of this? I just love being outside. I love animals, all different kinds. Um, it's just been something I think driven in me since I was little. Like, you know, I always wanted to bring cats home and I got yelled at for hiding them in the basements or, you know, finding a mouse or, you know, just little things and trying to figure out like, hey, you know, this isn't working. Um, and then figuring out what I could do different to make it work. Or like we did a new thing up at the cabin where I put a bunch of pollination out. I planted some apple trees, did a whole bunch of new seeding. And I'm like, let's bring the bees in. Bees pollinate everything. So pretty soon now everything's blooming beautiful more. The apples are hopefully going to start this next year. But um, you see the milkweed, you see the butterflies. It's just kind of one of those whole little like circles of things. But it's like, I call it my zen. Like if I need to go to like wuska me, I go to the woods. Mm-hmm. So that's where my, I decompress and feel feel where I'm supposed to be. It's a good place to be. It's uh, the secret to like mental health is just step outside no matter what you're doing. If you're working with bees, if you're planting milkweed, if you're doing a little hunting, a little fishing, just listening to the leaves crunch under your boots when you're walking through the woods, it all works for sure. 
Um, what? Let's talk about a little bit of the events that Legendary Long Tails offers people because I know you have an event coming up in November as well, which um, I'll be there with a camera photographer from Minnesota Bound. We're going to film um, you guys for an upcoming episode. But uh, what kind of events do you guys offer for women and youth? So we'll do our meetings. Um, our chapter meetings, usually we try to do the first Tuesday of every month. Um, like I said, our chapter is kind of different from other chapters of Pheasants Forever. Uh, thanks, Will, I guess, <laughs> for letting how me is do it that. How is it different? So, you know, everyone does their chapters and it's book, 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 book. Like we still have our board members, we still this, but we make it fun. And I'm not saying no other chapter is fun. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, but we, we're just a little bit different. We try to bring the youth and the women. We try to target that area. Um, now anyone can be a member of our chapter, but our chapter is run solely by women. Um, so like our next meeting that we, or our last meeting, for example, we had, we went to Metro Gun Club. We all made a potluck. We went and shot. We had a meeting. We sat around, had a potluck, talked, what are are our plans for hunting this year? What do we want to do? Let's make a plan. So we'll name it all out. And then we try to delegate into the chapter and see who can help and fundraise stuff or, you know, who can go get sponsors or who, you know, anything that we can get in to help with the youth or the next women's event that we have planned or even for a habitat project. There'll be emails that we send out that would be like, hey, we're going to, let's say, example, Mille Lacs County. They need to cut down all these trees and pull all this stuff. They need 20 bodies. Who wants to go volunteer? A whole bunch of us go up, volunteer, rip up some of the dirt, replant it, and hopefully in five years we have a new area to go shoot pheasants. Very cool. And um, your event coming up in November 18th. So let's talk about that a little bit. 19th. 19th. Sorry. 19th. 18th 19th. is Friday. Yes. 19th is Saturday. Yep. So uh, this is our annual uh, Legendary Longtails Women's Only Hunt. Um, so it's open to women and youth, um, youth females. Um, we will do one again with anyone that would like to come. But this one is uh, an annual hunt that we do out at Wings North. We do it there because it's a controlled environment and we can have birds out for everybody. We'll divide into groups um, from beginners to expert, and you will be mixed up with everyone. There'll be people, there'll be ladies that bring their dogs. There's guides. There's, we'll go over rules. I mean, there's so much to talk about on this one. It's one of my favorite hunts, just to see how many, like we had, I think 25 or 30 the last hunt, and about 10 of them never shot a pheasant in their life. Oh, wow. And watching them shoot their first bird was like, bittersweet like you know some people needed help with clay some people needed this you know does this gun fit me nope I gave up my guns and you know gave away and it's like just the girls it's just a way for our and you don't even have to be a chapter member to come so it's open to all women that's cool um it's just a way to get our chapter and see what how we can help other ladies in the future I guess very cool and um and it's Saturday the 19th and how do people sign up for this event um, so there's two options. You can go to pheasantsforever.com under events, look up legendary Longtails, or go to events near you. Um, it will bring it up. You can click on there and you can sign up at the event there. Or you can go to Wings North on Facebook or their website and they have a link that links to the Pheasants Forever page for you to sign up. It's $150. Um, Reasonable. It, yep. Includes guide, birds, and lunch for the day. Very cool. And for those like you have that have never shot a bird before, what is the advice that you're giving them? Hmm. Who have never done it before, don't be scared. Take that deep breath before you squeeze the trigger. Let out all everything. Because some people like, you know, hold it in. Um, If you release that, one, two, three, shoot. Follow that bird. 
get that bead right in front of them a little bit. 90% of people are shooting behind them. Um, what if they're going straight away from you? Well, you have to see if they're rising a little bit or if they're <laughs> yeah. going straight. Usually they try to go up and 90% of the time they're going to head to a tree line. So if you know where that tree line is, you're going to know that they're going to go up and they're going to be heading this way a little bit. So you know you're going to pull your gun up just a little bit farther up this way. But I would say get that bead right up underneath them because as you're lifting your gun up, that shot's going to come right up to them. That's very good advice. And a lot of times um, the idea of, you know, taking a breath, you have more time than what you think you do. Oh, yes. That was a really good piece of advice that someone gave me years ago. But um, because you think... You know, sometimes you can get spooked too if they like are flush right by your feet or you're like, whoa. Um, so that is really good advice to, you know, the count to three or that you have a lot more time than what you think you do. Yep. And the other thing is, is um, the dogs that are in the field. They're like our babies. Yes. So if you don't think it's a clean shot, don't take it. If Absolutely. you second guess yourself at all, I'll tell them, I said, I don't care if that bird goes away. We'll find a new one. Yes. It's just a bird. Um, watch the dogs work, trust your dog. And so, sometimes dogs will jump up to try to grab a bird. So again, let the bird get in the air yep. for sure. That's a hundred percent. That's why I went to pointers this year. Ah, smart. <laughs> yes. We're going to talk about your dogs. Hi there. Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Starbank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. Starbank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that Starbank has to offer at starbank.net. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Did you know that a propane gas furnace lifespan averages 20 years while electric heat pumps only last about 14 years? And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat in your home. Why buy two heating systems when propane furnace can do it all? Lasts longer, works better, and costs less. These things and more are being done today with propane. The right energy right now. It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota Central Region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. You have three dogs all under the age of three. Under one. Under one. Oh, my yep. gosh. Even more chaos. Um, talk to me about your dogs. Okay. So we have uh, German wire pointers. Um, They're beautiful. Yes. Thank you. So Evie's my baby girl. She's um, out of Top Shelf Kennels out of Horace, North Dakota. Then we have Rip, who is seven months. He's out of Bearded Gun Dogs. And then we have our 10 and a half week old Thor, 
who is out of Green Bay. <laughs> he didn't really come from a specific <laughs> He's a Packer panel. fan. Yeah. Or... Yep. So he's got a lot of work to do on the Vikings territory over here. <laughs> um, but uh, they uh, went to training out at Autumn Breeze Kennels. We've done a lot of training on our own. So we raise birds too. So we've got pheasants, chuckers, exotic pheasants. So like reds, Lady Amherst, chickens. Cool. Anyone need chickens? We got you. Awesome. Um, and so it's really nice to be able to put our dogs on birds and be able to train with them out in the field at home and get them going. And I mean, for our dogs being seven and eight months old or six, six and a half, um, we took them out for a pheasant opener and they did amazing. It was just that's incredible to watch their natural ability under the age of one. So why did you make the switch to pointers? So I love to do women in youth events and I've always had springers and springer spring and my older Springer, Magnum, he went gun shy. So he's actually with my parents. That's their home dog now. Sure. Um, but uh, they Springers can spring. Now, wire hairs can go too, but usually they will stay on point for you until you release them. Um, but there was just one time where he swung too high, and I didn't feel safe with someone taking a shot. So I oh. called the hunt, um, and we came back. And I don't yell at anybody. I'll just, hey, you know, the reason why we're coming back, you know, to start – in the beginning again is this is the scenario what happened they're like oh my gosh I didn't even think about it you know I'm like totally fine the dog just doesn't need to be shot yeah very scary very <laughs> and you know scary. and we always it's a teaching moment a lot of people have never hunt behind a dog before um but it's a slower hunt now so I can get youth out I can walk up to my dog on point get that youth situated flush that bird let that you take that time to shoot that bird mm-hmm. and then release my dog to go get it. So that right there was the number one reason why I switched was just to be able to slow it down and get kids more engaged. And sometimes, you know, the kids don't even want to shoot. They just come out to watch the dogs. There's another girl that comes out that just loves to do photography and she takes some amazing photos, you know, and I think one of them will be in Pheasants Forever magazine coming up soon. So cool. But I mean, that's just kind of one of those things where no dog is better than the other, but I do... Love my wire hair. So, you know, I actually have a little bit of a preference hunting behind a pointer. I do feel it's a little bit more of a relaxed situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you have less yelling going on. Like, you know, the dogs way too far out, <laughs> flushed all the birds. People are screaming, "Get back here!" Yep. Uh, and then I just feel like a little bit more relaxed. And I don't know what it is, but it is fun to be able to actually get a little closer. It's fun to see the dog on point. Yep. Um, and there's like kind of your adrenaline gets going when you see the dog come to a point and you get to kind of stock up to the bird. And, um, so I feel you there. I think it's, I, I rather enjoy it. I know people have very strong opinions about all of it, but, um, there's nothing of course wrong. We love labs. No, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> we love ravens. Yes. Yeah. We love ravens, of course. Um, but I do, I have enjoyed my time hunting behind pointers for sure. You should come out with us sometime. I know it's not legendary long tails, but, um, NAVDA, so National Versal Hunting Dogs Association of Minnesota, we're part of that also. Okay. So there's dogs where we do trials and all that kind of stuff. So our dogs have to run through all that. Um, and just seeing other people's dogs work and, you know, you have your natural ability dogs and your UT one, you know, and like just going up the line and then you can go get your VC versatility champion if you pass all of these things. And it's just kind of an awe to watch how these dogs can work and how great they are. It is really, I did a story with, um, is it Eddie Ed with Autumn Breeze? 
Oh yeah, yes. Ed Erickson. Ed Erickson, yes. Yep. I don't know if he's Eddie, Ed or Eddie, but uh, we did a story on his Bracco Italianos. Oh yeah, and I I love the Bracco Italiano. I think they're the coolest looking dog. If you haven't, if you don't know what a Bracco Italiano is, it's basically has the coat color and pattern of a German short hair pointer, but it almost looks like a bloodhound with the big ears and the long nose. It's like the combination of the two, in my opinion, but they're adorable. Yeah. So I went out with Ed, I think it was about a year ago. He needed a gunner. Um, they were going to, a, to run a couple dogs and he brought a Bracco and he pulled it out and I was like, what, what is that? We're yeah. hunting with a hound dog. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, she got out there and I looked at him and I was like, Whoa, she can hunt. He's like, yeah, she's got a nose on her. And I was like, I'm impressed. I never, I, that really dog cool. definitely impressed me. But yeah. So it's pretty cool to see them. Um, they're actually getting pretty popular now. I keep seeing that more and more people are, it's the Italian, uh, the Italian gentleman's hunting dog or something yep. is what they're referred to. But, um, yeah, they are, were somewhat rare, rare, but they are getting a little bit more popular, yeah. but they're so cute, especially as puppies. I mean, the cutest with the long ears, long and- wrinkly, chubby, hound looking pups. Yes. But no, they're pretty sweet. Uh, But the versatile hunting dog, that's a whole new um, kind of genre of hunting dogs that seem to be growing in popularity too, by their ability for pointing, but also flushing and they will get in the water where Mm -hmm. some other pointers, maybe it's not, they're not. So they just don't necessarily want to get in the water per se, but. Yep. So Evie and our, I mean, our wire hairs, they're the versatile dogs. So I'll be able to duck hunt with them, goose hunt with them. And then, I mean, Evie right now, I can't keep her out of the water. Like if I'm out on the paddleboard, she's swimming out she's on the paddleboard. She's diving <laughs> off the paddleboard. If I tell her. Evie's a wild one. I did meet her at Game yes. Fair. <laughs> like it will even at Game Fair, the docks were there and you know, oh, she yeah. wanted to go and like, she'd stand up on her back, paw, you know, back legs like, oh, like, let me go in the water. I'm like, no, we're not going to do this. So at the end of Game Fair, I let her go off the docks. And I'm like, okay, let's go. You know, I'm like, Evie here. And she'd look at me and then she'd dive off again. Oh, that's so funny. She's off. like, not yet. Yeah. I'm and everyone done. started laughing. I was like, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's my little girl. Did she jump off the long jump? Did you have her do that? Um, no, I didn't because her recall at the time. Oh, sure. I would have had to have everyone that I know that was there probably stand and yeah. wait for Evie to come through. <laughs> um, Cause she would have seen another dog wanting to say hi. She'll probably do it next year. She can jump, definitely jump. And she loves the water. But uh, yeah, she's funny. It's fascinating how far some of those dogs can jump. So at Game Fair this year, um, we always get the end results up at the information center. My dad and I hang out. And the longest jump was 27, over 27 feet. Mm -hmm. And it was a Belgian Malinois Shepherd. I was so surprised. Yeah, because I saw that dog. It jumped a few times. Yes. And then when I saw that it won, I was like, Whoa. <laughs> and that, the young lady that owned that dog specifically, I thought she was super cool, but she has that dog trained in like five different um, sports per se, dog mm-hmm. sports, including agility. Um, I don't know how to say this correctly, but basically is it Scheutzland or the, whatever it is for bite, bite work. Ooh, I don't know. Like police bite work. So oh, yeah, the shepherd. Like the canine. Yes. Yeah. I'm not sure how to say that. So I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, that, uh, and then also... Um, scent work and then the long jumping. I mean, she must spend. And then wasn't it, I think she did like bloodhound or blood tracking or something too. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. This dog was so smart. Um, anyway, but it's so fun to see the dogs go off the, the long jump and oh, for sure. who can really has legs to launch off that thing. 27 feet. I'm like, that's pretty far. And it wasn't even that big of a dog. No. I mean, like compared to like some of them that were there with the legs and jumping, you're like, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
I know. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on the Minnesota Bound podcast mm-hmm. and um, for all the work that you do with Pheasants Forever and Legendary Long Tales. And, um, you know, I guess we can close out with with this. If there's, you know, what is your your wish of the legacy that you leave behind with Pheasants Forever and Legendary Long Tales? What is your hope and your outcome of doing all of this work for future generations and all the people that you impact? Um, I look at my children. So I have two boys and, uh, you know, my grandpa laid out land out for me and he did his part. I'm doing my part. And if we don't keep it going, these kids aren't going to have any outdoors or anything else to do. Um, that's my number one thing is just making sure we keep this youth in the outdoors and keep them engaged and, and also aware of habitat conservation. Yep. Um, and how important that is for sure. It's not just going out shooting a bird. It's why are those birds there? Yes. What are they eating? You know, so like not to keep going here, but like a game fair, we do a whole informational thing. So it shows like where the birds are, what they like to eat, you know, different things. And like we always give the kids like seed packets or different things like here, plant some of these, you know, and hopefully that they'll remember that someday and be like, hey, I remember doing this one day. For sure. And if there are there things that people can do at home that would help habitat conservation for pheasants in general? Are there any tips or tricks that you give out for if so, they're out in the field, if they have habitat in their backyard, you know, prairie restoration, is there any? Yeah, there's tons of prairie restoration. I mean, we have over 100 biologists with Pheasants Forever. Um, so if you ever wanted to know, like, how your soil is or anything like that, by all means, go on our website, find a biologist in your area. They can come out, test your soil, see what will grow good out there. Because a lot of people will just throw some seed out and nothing grows. And then they're like, oh, nothing grows. It's, you know, well, you might have a more of a sandy you know, soil or, you know, vice versa. So something else will work better out in that area. So a biologist can tell you that. Um, we also, they sell seed on the Pheasants River website. So if you wanted to find something like that, you could plant it out there. But people at home, I mean, if you want, if you're at home or you're in an apartment, a townhouse, a small house, big house, whatever you want, you could get some milkweed, get some caterpillars, just kind of do your thing at home with a little, or have, you know, like the kids, do something or like the school classes we go in there and uh we do milkweed with uh caterpillars and pheasants forever we get sponsors that come in we sponsor classrooms for it for the year so they raise their butterflies and release them every year so it's kind of a cool little project that they do very cool yes lots of little ways you can make big impacts on the environment without even thinking about it from you know pick up trash yeah there's one (laughs) (laughs) don't litter would be two you know like Take your stuff, even if like, you know, you think about ice fishing and we did a story on how much trash is left on the ice. So much. And I'm like, hello, this all goes into the water when obviously the ice melts. So just a simple picking up after yourself is a really good place to start. Or pick up your shells. Yes. Like after shooting, always pick up your shells. Yes. Also a good point. So, well, thank you again for joining us on the Minnesota Bound podcast. Um, Are you on personally on social media? There a place where people can find you to reach out for information or just legendary long tails Facebook. Where can they, where can they find you? So I have, I guess I have a couple. So I have KR Outdoors. I have legendary long tails, our Facebook page, or you can message me directly, Christina Ringgold on Facebook and just let me send me a direct message and I can get in contact and get you set up with our chapter. Awesome.
I love it. Thank you for all the work that you do impacting youth and our environment and everything else. It's, Thanks for having it's me. a treasure. So I appreciate you being here. Uh, that's a wrap today for the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. A special thanks to our sponsors, Star Bank, Hewitt Docks, Connecticut, Minnesota Historical Society, Minnesota Propane, North Dakota Tourism, and Grain Belt. And last but not least, don't forget to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.